everyone. This is Cobain the Christian. Today we're going to be continuing my series of interviews with my brother on the journey which ultimately led him from agnosticism back through theism and to Christianity. Before we get into today's interview, I want to say that if you are in a financially good spot and enjoy these videos, please do consider making a monthly contribution to my Patreon. $10 and up will guarantee you access to all content. And the final part or parts of this interview dealing with the questions and answers will be premium content. Uh, if you are not able to give $10, uh, you might consider giving $0.99 cents per month via Anchor, which I will link below. And remember, now I am running a podcast at the same time as YouTube, so if you would prefer to listen rather than use YouTube to watch these videos, and there's no PowerPoint in this one, so it fits more naturally in podcast format, if you would rather listen, uh, the podcast form of the videos will be up within about 12 hours of the actual video upload. So welcome back, Jake. It is good to have you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, a lot of people uh, asked if you looked as similar to me as you sounded, and that is apparently the general consensus. So uh, I've always had a profound admiration for myself, so it's good to have that admiration for my brother as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, last time we ended in, I think, 2015. It had been about two and a half years since your deconversion. Uh, where you became an agnostic, and it took you about two and a half years to get back to theism. Uh, what I wanted to start off asking you is, why do you think it took so much longer to come back to Christianity than it did just to come back to theism? That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I can give like a, like if I fully know the reason why. I think I think maybe one reason why is, is is it seems that the conversion to theism was was a sort of you could say almost sort of a paradigm shift and kind of what I was working through over the next several years was more of a um, it was almost kind of working out the the details of, of what I believed so maybe in that sense it just took longer to kind of work through the, the particulars yeah so you see kind of Christianity unfolding out of the basic reality of personal God understood in the classical sense. Yeah, yeah. So tell us what your state of mind is at this point in time. You've come back to theism. Is there any kind of day that you remember realizing, I believe in God? You remember a, a moment where it kind of hits you that you, you think that this is God, true. Yeah. Well, I think the argument that I discussed last time that I had for idealism uh, really just convinced me that materialism is wrong right so i i don't quite remember if 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 i came to believe in god then but it certainly seemed that god was very probable um i think i can't say there's a particular day but i just kind of found myself believing that there's a god and were you surprised at all because i know when my doubts about christianity were resolved even though i'd never left christianity and even though um, I'd been kind of an active Christian for several years when I finally kind of resolved my doubts and my satisfaction It was almost surprising to find that after all of this Christianity turned out to be true that I wasn't just fooling myself. Were you surprised at when you were reflecting upon your journey? Did you what, reflect upon your journey? What, what was I surprised about believing in about, God? About coming back to believe in God. Did it ever strike you? Well, this is kind of weird just, that God turns out to have existed after all I can't say I was like shocked 
right mm-hmm. uh, about about believing in God I mean I think because there was never a time where I would have identified as like an atheist right 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 so let me just ask you were, were you at ev- at any point ever kind of remotely attracted to the new atheism a little bit yeah I mean there were there were times when I I found uh, where I thought well maybe atheism is true right mm-hmm. well maybe that is the the kind of materialism is 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 the truth and religion is is essentially you know like a fairy tale or something right like right that. right it's hard to assess before i'd come back to to theism i i had been you know or had my i guess kind of an official comeback to theism i had been um you know getting more and more interested you could say in uh, just religion in general and then also in in um in things like neoplatonism and platonism so it almost felt like this was you know this this is just kind of where my interests were heading and mm-hmm. it just all kind of fell together or all kind of came together so the theism is kind of part of a larger shift in your interpretation of the world yeah 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 i mean i I guess that's the thing is is that i started to realize that there were more nuanced ways to interpret the world than what i had been given so i guess in a way before i had had became an agnostic right when i was before that time there was a sense in which how to interpret the world and what the world is made of made mm-hmm. up of was fairly um how to put this i guess fairly binary if that makes right, sense yeah, yeah. so it was kind of okay well maybe maybe just the material world exists mm-hmm. or maybe there are some sort of supernatural entities you know and consciousness or the mind exists. in addition to the material in ex- world in, a, in addition right yeah but i think with idealism and even studying, you know, philosophies like Neoplatonism, there was a sense in which, well, maybe there are, there are different ways to interpret the world. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Are there any authors that you remember as being particularly influential here? Um, about converting or? Well, just in, in, in kind of your journey into theism yeah. in the kind of platonic context. I can't, I mean, I can't say at this point i mean it wasn't something i had looked at very deeply yet right so i mean i'd mentioned that i'd gotten into carl Jung, and mm-hmm. i mentioned that you know got it into kind of joseph campbell and uh Merche eliadi i think is how you say his name mm-hmm. um you know i mentioned i read like the experience of god by david bentley hart and right. i thought that was um i thought some of the arguments kind of almost just kind of felt like it confirmed what I was thinking and kind yeah, of yeah. really really said what I was kind of feeling about religion and yeah, about yeah, God yeah. at the time yeah yeah so um, let me ask I don't remember if we talked about this last yeah. time um, had you read or were you reading any kind of atheist literature atheist books I mean I had read some atheists before I'd read a few books um, I mean, some of them weren't. Give it, give a couple examples. Okay, I remember there was, uh, but this, I mean, this was, 
well before my conversion to theism. Right. Um, there was one, uh, Why I Became an Atheist by John W. Loftus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and at the time when I read it, it I found it quite convincing. I found, right. I found the arguments to be, or I found it to be quite a strong kind of counter-apologetic. Yeah, because right? yeah, it's this kind of a cumulative case. It kind of attacks Christianity it, from all directions. It's, in a, it's a cumulative case, and I feel like it, you know, if you have a fairly superficial understanding of some of these issues, they can be quite, quite compelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of overwhelming. You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, I, I, I know that in my own journey, I'm very thankful to divine providence that I was permitted to encounter a lot of these arguments one at a time, mm -hmm. so that you know I didn't have to deal with oh, like oh, Israelite religion descends from polytheistic origins. At the same time, I'm dealing with uh, the scientific critique of theism. And stuff like that and I think for all of his flaws Loftus in that book uh, does re rhetorically choose a good strategy which is kind of attacking Christianity yeah. from all directions at once not yeah. just the resurrection but um, also the Old Testament also philosophically yeah. so that even if you're not persuaded by one of his arguments it just seems the overall picture of the world that he's constructing yeah. is a naturalistic one uh, there was another book I read, The Case Against Atheism. The Case Against Atheism? Uh, no, sorry, The Case Against uh, God, I think is what it was called. Okay, is that, uh, is that Michael Martin? I, I forget who it was written by. I think that was what the book was called. But okay. it was, it, it was um, in some ways I think it was, like, it, it's definitely one of the most interesting critiques of, of you could say, of theism. Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, the arguments felt, felt very original. It was definitely... Mm -hmm very different than a lot of kind of atheist rhetoric mm -hmm. um like like what kind of arguments it's it's been years since i've read it but it but it but it, in general it tried to attack essentially it attacked god as kind of an incoherent concept so it tried to right, show, right. show it was logically incoherent yeah yeah um so that was so i read that i, I don't feel like i read like a lot of like explicitly atheist literature but right. i felt like i read books by atheists okay yeah. like 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 books with that worldview and to what degree were you um involved either as a participant on forums or you know, watching videos to what degree were you cognizant of this debate playing out on the internet if at all um i mean i i watched some content you know i i can't rem remember like the specific channels but i was certainly mm -hmm. aware of it mm -hmm. yeah um I didn't find, like, I don't, I don't think I found the rhetoric to be very compelling, on either side. Right, probably, yeah, yeah, is what I would say. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So. Okay, so you're, so you're a theist now. It's 2015. You've come to believe in God. You kind of see it within this larger philosophical paradigm. Where do things move? from here or do you kind of is there kind of like a period where you're at kind of intellectual rest um what's the next step in your just journey yeah what are you looking at next what are you interested in well i had mentioned already i had begun to uh gain an interest in kind of studying religion more mm -hmm. more seriously mm -hmm. um so I'm trying to think. So, so I mentioned Mircea Eliade, mm -hmm. and I remember reading quite a bit of his work. So, uh, just kind of, I read. I think I read his uh, three-part volume on the history of religion. Mm 
uh, three par- uh, three volumes three volumes yeah yeah, yeah. or um, I read uh, you know read several of his books I think he had one on shamanism I read mm-hmm. um, yeah there was a book his I think his most famous book is the sacred and the profane mm-hmm. which certainly really made sense of religion as as a phenomenon mm-hmm. it, you know I mean you hear a lot of uh, people talk about well what religion is and it gets reduced to well religion is just a belief in the afterlife yeah, right? Right, right right well i think this the book sacred and the profane really gets down to the core of what religion mm-hmm. is composed of yeah yeah um there were what did i read um i remember and again kind of a controversial author again I mean, not just within the religious community, but very controversial today. I got into Julius Evola a little bit. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then... Where did you learn about these books? I think I just heard, saw some guy quote from Julius Evola, and I looked him up, and, yeah. I, and I looked... He seemed kind of different, like I'd never... Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I, I began to read some of his stuff. I read... Uh, Th- really through Julius Evola I got into Rene Guan a mm. bit um, and then another guy I got into with uh, he's a perennialist uh, Fritz Joff Shuan mm-hmm. uh, who and uh, so, so that was kind of I, I started to get kind of into the school of you could say of traditionalism or perennialist philosophy and mm-hmm. I think one of the things that attracted me to them was was the fact that they're very good at breaking down symbolism, right? Right, right. So, so really explaining religious symbolism. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that it's happening to you at this point because um, I think, as, as you know, from 2014 to 2015, my own kind of way of looking at the world is undergoing this seismic shift through reading authors like James Jordan and Peter Lightheart, mm-hmm. through coming to, you know, affirm uh, to my own great surprise that historicity of those early chapters of Genesis, which kind of resituated the world on a much firmer you know, Christian foundation um, through projecting kind of um, evolution, which had been an important part of my worldview uh, for a long time. And so symbolism was also becoming very important for me at this point, though, through a very different uh, route. Uh, I don't remember how much um, we, I know we, we, we were talking a bit about this stuff, um, what to what degree did what was going on in my life uh, have any influence in your journey at this point if at all yeah i don't remember talking too much about it i mean i think we had conversations here and there about 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 stuff but i don't i don't really remember ever conversing much about symbolism i mean i was right right i was kind of you know somewhat aware of what you were into at the time yeah yeah but yeah, I mean, remember one one of those things which really fascinated me, and I was just thinking about this today, was the discovery that uh, monotheism was is demonstrably the earliest religion of mankind, and that the one God who created all things and who gives us a way of righteous living, that concept is ubiquitous, relatively speaking, around the world. And I found that very exciting because it was, you know, it moved. Uh, Christianity from being an ideology yeah. to oh this is actually the concrete real story yeah. of the world. Um, were you to what degree did, did the notion of you know history of religion shape your view of 
theism and God's potential interest in mankind. Yeah. Well, I guess just kind of going off what you said about how this idea that uh, that monotheism was perhaps the kind of the primordial religion, or yeah. the, uh, I think as I studied kind of religion through these author, authors, there was a sense in which how how religion is presented today, or how is it kind of the models that that religious scholars kind of work under today are are wrong or too yeah. or too simplistic. Yeah. So you know, so typically, like if if you were to listen to a mainstream scholar on the history of religion, he would right. say, uh, first people were animists, right? Then yeah. then they were uh, polytheists, and then. For, the end point was was monotheism right, right? yeah yeah uh, that seemed to me to be too simplistic yeah right? too simplistic I, I, even the terms uh i would say monotheism pantheism polytheism are too simple right yeah yeah the the reality is typically more complex yeah, right yeah um and if my, if my listeners aren't familiar with this or if you've just taken it for granted there's a great deal of evidence for this paradigm anthropologists today do not really take this model seriously. Um, it was popular in the early 20th century in the history of religion school, but today the origin of religion, as far as I know, is regarded as more of an unanswerable question because the answers that's actually found in the evidence is profoundly uncomfortable. Um, and the only place in which scholars seriously think that polytheism evolved into monotheism is in Old Testament studies because they never got the memo that nobody buys this anymore. So if you want to more on that look at my video on did biblical monotheism develop yeah and i would say that um you know many cultures may have a belief in several gods right or several sort of heavenly beings but they many cultures also tend to understand that there's there's a supreme deity who who has you could say the the qualities of the traditional kind of monotheism species unique yeah in in the words of michael heiser I mean, this is kind of, um, it's an interesting point because one of the questions posed to Christians is, well, um, you disbelieve in all these other deities, we just believe in one less God. And it's not actually the case because not only do we not necessarily disbelieve that there's supernatural activity undergirding these pagan cults, not only do we believe in a vast commonwealth of heavenly beings, uh, but cultures around the world seem to have an understanding of the God of heaven the supreme God who created all things and who's distinct from everything else, in addition to those gods whom they worshipped on a more um, on a more intimate level. Um, so it's just it's a category error. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess getting back to my you know what kind of studying these authors or what studying the history of religion did for me is I think it gave me a framework of a, you know a symbolic framework to kind of interpret the world. Yeah. And. I feel like at the at that point, symbolism was something new new for me, and mm-hmm. and once I started to grasp that, it seemed that a lot of things started to just kind of make sense. Could you give um, uh, what do you mean by symbolism? It's a complex concept, but yeah, in case people are wondering, what what exactly does this mean for you in this context? Yeah, it's you know it's difficult to articulate, right? right? Um, because I think a symbol has been kind of reduced to a metaphor, yeah. Right? yeah. But it seems that 
if we take the cross for example right it's like it's not the symbol of the cross is not just something that jesus died on right Right. it is that but it's it's a lot more yeah you could say it encapsulates and kind of sums up a lot of parts of reality if that makes sense yeah Uh, it links heaven and earth and then it links you know the earth within itself it's both horizontal and vertical it's you know you could say well you know in some sense all motion is horizontal made up of the horizontal and vertical kind of motion right so so uh yeah so all things are being gathered together at this point so i mean i think that's kind of the best articulation of symbolism i can give is that it's it's something that that almost kind of sums up a lot of aspects of reality right Mm -hmm. it's the it's the meaning which undergirds the stuff of the world yeah and i think you'd say that the symbol kind of the symbolic worldview in this context and there are many symbolic worldviews but in this context it means that meaning um, is intrinsic to stuff right not just that the world as a whole has a meaning not just life has meaning but specific things in the world have specific meanings which are in principle intelligible and the world's inherently symbolic right yeah 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 that's what makes it what it is yeah so um which authors are are particularly influential in shaping this for you i mean i i think evola was like an influence i mean i can't say that like um like necessarily like in alignment with him yeah, on yeah, politics yeah. but yeah but i think in terms i always found what was most interesting about him was his his ability to to kind of under to kind of expound the traditional conception of the world mm-hmm. and and for for those who are not familiar could you just give a a summary of what evola's program is and of course yeah. to go without saying this is not a statement of agreement with everything in yeah. his program but what what is his program yeah I mean, Evola was a, a radical traditionalist, right? So he essentially objected to, you could say, the modern world, right? Mm-hmm. Revolt against the modern world. Yeah, I think that was the first book I read. Mm-hmm. And he kind of had, I, I don't, you know, it's been a while since I've read him. Mm-hmm. But um, his, there was, there was essential... And when is this, when is this published? Uh, when did he publish it? I, this must have been in the... Um, Early 20th century, I think. Yeah, it might have been in the forties he published okay, it. Okay. Yeah, uh, but he wanted a sort of a kind of a radical uh, kind of return to tradition. And what is tradition for him? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Is it Christianity? No, no, it's right. certainly not. Um, I mean, he saw Christianity as actually the downfall of tradition. Right. Right. So he he would have said that the Roman Empire falled or fell because uh, the, they stopped sacrificing to these pagan deities does he think that the pagan deities are real beings who yeah i mean in, in a way right he, he i don't think he would say that there are these kind of anthropomorphic kind of beings that exist out there mm-hmm. I, I forget exactly what he says but it is this idea is, is that within every culture there is a sort of a, a preservation you could say at the primordial tradition yeah but that and that his his idea was to kind of reinstitute this primordial tradition including Somewhat. animal sacrifice I, I i think so i mean another thing too was um was like he was very big into the caste system okay. right, yeah. right so that it was very important for people to be in their proper caste yeah and it yeah. was actually i mean it was good for the person he would have argued that right mm-hmm. that yeah. it was it was beneficial for their for their soul 
um i, I can't it's it's very hard to sum up his ideas yeah, but, yeah. uh and again i i don't think i found his politics the most interesting as much as he was able to kind of expound on on symbolism and things things of that nature is there anything particularly said that got kind of had an effect on you and convincing you that this was actually real that this is not just you know intellectual masturbation but that the symbolic interpretation of the world is a the legitimate true interpretation of the world I don't know if there's anything he said in particular. It was more just getting a sense of, of a new way of looking at the world. Yeah, that this option is out there. That that perhaps the world of, of you know, scientific materialism is not the primary way to look at the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So while this is going on, is there still any sense in which you are engaged within, you know, the atheist-theist debate, you know, as a listener? Or have you kind of moved on to different questions? You know, it's interesting. At, at, at this time, I think, I, f- I feel like the atheist-theist debate really was, was kind of coming to an end on the internet. It wasn't, there wasn't, I, and maybe I just wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. To, but it seemed like the real, like, debates going on mm-hmm. on the internet were political. Yeah, yeah. And this I, is 2015, folks. So, yeah. I mean, so actually, actually, I think in 2014 is that within the atheist community, is you started to see a split. Right. Right. You saw these kind of uh, these uh, kind of radical progressives. Atheism plus. Atheism plus. Yeah. 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 And uh, these radical progressives, and then you saw a number of people within the atheist community who mm-hmm. were who were who were troubled by this. Who yeah. were troubled by this 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 kind of nonsense yeah yeah now go green 18 you familiar with go green 18 yeah didn't she start dating some this is just a total tan but didn't she start dating like some like traditional conservative or whatever i don't know i know i I, I I heard that that had happened i mean i think i know she's come out and admit that you know there were um that she doesn't stand by that all all that she held before oh really i think she well i don't you, she's an ex-mormon by the way guys she um it seemed to me that I, I mean i haven't followed her closely but i remember her she she was in dialogue with a lot of people she disagreed with yeah yeah and in friendly dialogue yeah and, yeah and she was attempting to really make an effort to kind of understand those who she who she disagreed with politically religiously politically yeah okay, so yeah, yeah. i mean i think you know there was i, I think i saw when I when the last video I watched by her or whatever, uh, it seemed to me that she had come to an understanding that perhaps her worldview wasn't adequate or perhaps you know yeah wasn't needed to open her mind a little needed bit to maybe, open yeah. her mind yeah yeah um, so what relationship um, did you know your reading of traditionalists have with your own thought about the political world at that point if, if if any were you thinking about the political sphere and no okay. not, not really not really <laughs> I, I can't it wasn't it wasn't the primary thing on my mind right yeah. and, and by, by, by politics I don't mean necessarily the election I mean just like the broader structure of our like monarchy versus democracy yeah those larger order I, questions I, were you thinking about those I mean I had thoughts about it but I think I was I was probably at the time more in alignment with, uh, you could say, liberalism, kind of broadly speaking. 
Okay, you work consciously. Yeah. Yeah, and, classical liberalism. Yeah, essentially. Okay, right. Um, so uh, another question I wanted to ask is, um, after you've become a theist, um, did there was there ever a point where you you know doubted theism where you thought well maybe I made a mistake maybe I should have made there, materialism is there, there are points but never like very serious yeah yeah yeah, yeah so w- once you make the transition it's kind of it's hard to go back yeah yeah okay so um you're reading the traditionalists you're a theist you're, you're uh, uh, kind of taken by the symbolic approach to the world and you're kind of encountering a broader range of views and options about seeing the world uh, tell me where you're going from there uh, tell me what, what, what what's on your mind um, and uh, what do you think about Christianity at this point yeah um, are you agnostic towards Christianity or would you still say I, I disbelieve in Christianity what, what what's going on in your mind about about Jesus um, I think I probably so I think through the study of symbolism I, 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 I kind of came to understand Christianity in a new light, right? Mm-hmm. That that the doctrines of Christianity weren't just these kind of weird, incoherent, you know, babble or whatever. Yeah. But that they had some sort of symbolic meaning to them. Yeah. So I would have said I was an agnostic to Christianity, I think, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed to me at the time... To- you, you thought it had a real chance of being true? I mean, it's hard to say exactly what I thought at that point mm-hmm. but I don't think I would have discounted it I, I, I think at the time what it seemed to me was that um, there was a lot of agreement between various world religions in, in a certain way mm-hmm. that that they did seem to be there was something kind of fundamental that they, they shared mm-hmm. right so I, I feel like I was attracted to a sort of perennialist kind of conception of yeah. the world yeah. but even that was kind of vaguely defined mm-hmm. yeah now i also wanted to ask um and this kind of pertains to you know the period since you're digging versus general uh, to what degree were, were you ever attracted to social progressivism not not radically but you know same-sex marriage um i think i, I never felt like of i entertain the ideas of social progressivism mm-hmm. right so, but I don't think I ever fully committed to the idea of social progressivism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think it was just kind of checking various ideas to see if maybe, I mean, they were correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you've you've consistently been the most apolitical member of the family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so um, you're kind of agnostic towards Christianity. Um, when do you start going to St. John's, by the way? That was 2017. 2017, okay. okay so, so, yeah. No, no. no. Um, so, where do you... Um, where do you go intellectually from here? What's, your, what's the next step? What are you interested in? How does that shape the overall um, journey? Yeah. So, I guess maybe we can, it's, it's again, it's always hard to kind of trace out the exact kind of line, but I do remember in 2016 is when Jordan Peterson started to come on the scene. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and I think that was kind of a very interesting thing to watch. Yeah. Because he was speaking to a lot of the kind of the political issues that were, were happening at right. the time. But he was also saying more, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like he was the first person on the scene to really actually, to not just talk about this, this the po- kind of just politics, yeah, but yeah. have something more behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and I, discovering him was, was, was interesting because he was interested in a lot of the same authors I had been interested in. So yeah, yeah, he yeah. was, he, I, I remember he was, I think on his reading list, he has Carl, like two of the most prominent authors is Carl Jung and mm-hmm. Mircea Eliade. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that was, that was just very, very interesting to, to see, mm-hmm. you know, in the culture. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, that this was this was this was something big because it was it was the reemergence of, of really a sort of a religious worldview right that he was he was he was mm-hmm. someone who was very like he was a role model for a lot of people yeah. but he was bringing in these kind of you could say kind of religious symbols yeah yeah into, yeah and that there's a very the, practical very concrete yeah. dimension of what he says but it's it's got a lot of depth to it there's yeah. an underlying and by the way folks this doesn't mean you one endorses everything that he says but i think it's, it's hard to dispute that there's a lot of people who've been introduced to some very important questions and have had their lives yeah. changed for the better yeah. by this yeah. stuff. um but go on yeah i mean i think philosophically i mean i think with some of his ideas like i i find some of his ideas philosophically problematic yeah yeah but i think th- you know, people who dismiss Jordan Peterson, yeah, I feel sometimes, I, I, I just feel like that is, I mean, just given how much people, young people, young men in particular, have responded to him, yeah, it, it doesn't seem that you can just dismiss it as yeah. as as just silliness, right, right, or, right, or some guy speaking nonsense, yeah, yeah. So, what kind of effect does that have on you? Yeah, I, I think. Again, it's it's hard to like narrow down one effect, but mm-hmm. I think one thing it does is it 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 gives a new framework to understand religion in a way to where it's not simply about you know certain beliefs you have about mm-hmm. where you go after you die, right? But it's it's about a way of being in the world, yeah, right. That that you could say myths or religious symbols actually have some pertinence to mm-hmm. one's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm interested. Did you have any beliefs about the afterlife? Um, did you think was it something you thought about? Yeah, yeah, no, it's something I thought about. Uh, I can't say I would have ever committed to one idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was on? I, I mean, I thought maybe like maybe reincarnation was possible or mm-hmm. something like that. How come? How come? Yeah. Uh, I think the idea was somewhat appealing at the time. Yeah. Um, some of the evidence I found to be compelling. Yeah, children uh, with memories of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for those who aren't aren't familiar, I would say, um, and I think Jake doesn't blame reincarnation, but yeah. what I would say is that uh, there are instances where two separate children have the same memory of someone who's recently deceased, which indicates that there is something real going on. But 
it doesn't seem to be that the soul has left one person and become incarnated, incarnated in a new child. It seems rather that there's some means by which the memory of someone recently deceased can become attached uh, and present to the conscious mind of a person in the early stages of their um, kind of mental development. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's also some evidence for uh, genealogically transmitted memories. I remember reading one account which was interesting of someone who just kept having these vivid dreams of um, like a, a watchmaking shop um, and it turned out like several generations back um, his great-great-grandfather had been a very well-known watchmaker in the area. Um, so uh, these are real phenomena but uh, there's a lot there are several different explanations for it. reincarnation I don't think is the best the best one. Anyway that, that, that's a bit of a tangent so yeah. anyway go on with with where Okay. Where you are in yeah. the bigger picture. So I think with, with Jordan Peterson, it wasn't so much that I, I felt introduced to something new, mm -hmm. but it was it was almost, I was introduced to to almost someone who was saying kind of things I had been kind of feeling or, yeah, or about yeah. things, where he was presenting religion not just as a set of creedal, mm -hmm. like what is a set of doctrines. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as kind of the story we all occupy, yeah, yeah. That, that, that narrative is something fundamental yeah. to humans, yeah. and religion is fundamentally the narrative that mm -hmm. we live in. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's always yeah, a, it's yeah. a powerful experience yeah. when you're kind of in the midst of adopting the paradigm and you find that where you thought you might have been idiosyncratic, someone else mm -hmm. who clearly has a head on their shoulders um, gives a very articulate presentation of those same kind of things yeah. which are in your mind. Um, and you know, having someone else articulate kind of these intuitive senses in a much more precise way, uh, I think, is a, is a powerful way by which you know you can sharpen up on a particular kind of newly adopted plank of your view of the world. Yeah. Um, so, anything else going on significant at this point in time? I'm, I'm trying to think. It's it's a, it's always hard to kind of recover. You, know, you mean it doesn't have to be yeah. strictly chronological? Yeah. Is there just any anything from you know this whole period you talked about that you think should be noted uh, in your any particular books which stuck out in your mind? Um, any particular you know intellectual questions that aren't necessarily directly related to this? What what was catching your fancy? What's going on in your head at this point in time? I mean, I can't really say. Like, I don't feel like there was a lot of. I don't feel like my viewpoint changed a lot mm -hmm. in, in this period of time. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just a kind of the, the kind of the, there was, I mean, I would say I was continuing to kind of question the paradigm. Let's say I received, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you, you were a reader of Rupert Sheldrake as well, weren't you? I read a some of his stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, for those who don't know, Rupert Sheldrake is a biologist. I mean, he's not a Christian in the orthodox sense of the word. I would say he's probably a liberal Christian, but he's a, a strong critic of materialism, um, and he, you know, questions a lot of the received wisdom about, um, you know, for example, the brain. You know, he questions: Is memory really stored in the brain? Well, there's no evidence that memory is stored in the brain. Um, he looks at, you know, things like parapsychology, quote unquote, because things like feeling when someone is staring at you that's not parapsychology it's normal everyone experiences it and he looks at the data um, and makes a very compelling empirical argument against 
um, materialism. And let me just say that I've run these tests myself, I mean, you can run them online, but I've run them like over 2,000 times um, and with a 99 degree, 99 uh, percentage probability against chance in terms of like picking the card that the computer is about to select. Um, so uh, the rate at which I select the correct card is far above, given the number of instances in which I've taken the test, far above what you would expect given naturalism. So what, what, yeah. what, what would you say interested you about Rupert Sheldrake? What? Um, well, I think his, his ideas seemed interesting and, uh, you know, quite out, kind of out there. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, obviously he was, I, I think I read his book on morphic resonance and, mm -hmm. and I mean, he's, he's, uh, you know, a fairly good scientist, I think. Yeah. So I think he he's asking, or he's at least kind of asking the right questions. Yeah, I, I would say I guess I would say maybe in general during this time, and again this is not exactly in chronological order. Mm -hmm. uh, you know there was kind of coming I was kind of coming to understand the the cosmos in a more enchanted way. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I read several authors during this period. I don't remember everyone I read. I mean mm -hmm. I. I mean, I even read some people from the New Age movement. Yeah. But I think they seem to be offering um, a kind of a sort of enchanted vision mm -hmm. of, of the cosmos. Do more intellectual, but, intellectual serious New Age guys? Yeah, say? yeah. There was one guy who I read named uh, Gary Lockman. Okay, yeah. Uh, who, uh, he, he, he writes a lot of books just on um, either figures or like he has one book on Carl Jung mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, he, uh, he just writes a lot on essentially a lot of figure like kind of you could say kind of occult occult figures yeah, yeah. in the in the 20th century yeah um, there was a book I read he wrote a book on Hermes like mm -hmm. the the he wrote a book called caretakers of the cosmos mm -hmm. which was you know, an interesting. And what, what 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 was that book about? That that idea was essentially, uh, it's, in some ways, it's not. It's art, it articulates a vision not that dissimilar from Christianity, yeah. right? That essentially, mankind is supposed to take care of the cosmos, yeah. and and almost complete it in a way. Yeah, yeah, right. And so it w he was writing that kind of in response to, you could say what is it these kind of these people who talk about well humans are just a blight uh or, yeah, or yeah. just are a cancer on the earth yeah, yeah right so it was almost in response to that mm. and uh you know it seemed to be articulating a fairly you know a vision of the cosmos i found quite appealing that humans had a had a fundamental an important role to play yeah. in existence. Yeah. What was your What was your general pattern of thinking at this point about man and man's role in the cosmos? Now yeah. That you brought yeah. Well, who is it? Um, I remember there there there. Are, I think it's there's a story in like the Hermetic Corpus mm -hmm. or whatever, uh, where where I think Hermes or whatever receives a revelation from noose right so from from noose which is the greek word for mind yeah which is essentially a you know similar to the logos right mm -hmm. and they i think even some of them called the noose the son of god mm -hmm. right so and when it's the, this, this like written down 
Is an ancient document. Yeah, I mean, uh, during the time, I mean, I think a lot of people, like, like, for a while before the, I think before the Renaissance or, or no, before the Enlightenment, a lot mm-hmm. of people believe this to have gone back, to, like, several, like, thousand years, like, like, uh, like, like he received this revelation near the dawn of man or something. Like, I, I, yeah, that's, that's a common theme but, within this kind of tradition is you know for you have the idea of like a secret tradition that goes back to solomon's temple about the architecture of the universe or even in like kabbalah you have the idea that the zohar goes back to the first century and then it's kind of published in the 11th century and by the way i'm not totally opposed to that necessarily but it's just interesting to see that 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 theme but i mean i think i think some some people would have uh i know during the renaissance period there was some some people would have tried to identify this figure of Hermes with I think some people identified it with Moses mm-hmm. some people identified it with Enoch yeah some people uh, uh, identified it with um, with uh, with Joseph mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah so but the, there's a story in the I think I think it's in the Hermetic Corpus about Hermes receives this revelation from news where he says that man is of two two natures mm-hmm. right on the one hand, he has this animal nature, but on the other hand, he has this almost this kind of semi-divine mm-hmm. nature. Uh, this, 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 you know, this kind of spark of the divine, right? Mm-hmm. And as I was studying religion, that seemed to me to be correct, right? That, yeah. that on the one hand, man is an animal. Yeah. But on the other hand, man is something more right. than an animal. That right. man, um, you could say, reaches beyond and yeah. I, I remember, I don't think I read this anywhere, but I had the, the insight that it seemed significant that man was the only an, animal that stood upright, right? Yeah, yeah, I was just about to mention that, yeah. So, so it was, it, and I guess I saw, you could say, the, the products of culture, right, as, mm-hmm. as, as, as coming from that, you could say, that spark of the divine. Or yeah, that, yeah, that, that man that. exercises a creative role with respect to the world, and takes the raw material of the world and shapes and transforms it into something uh, more glorious. Um, mm-hmm. In biblical terms, this is, man is the generations of the heavens of the earth, as Genesis 2 says. And as elsewhere in Genesis, it always refers to offspring, generations of Adam, the generations of Isaac. Man is the son of the heavens, the spirit of God in the earth, the dust of the ground, because man draws the dust of the ground, the whole material creation, into the presence of God. Um, so it's an echo of a biblical theme, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I guess in a way, it you could see through that I was kind of coming to more of a Christian kind of conception of of the universe. And I think mm-hmm. what 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 bothered me about a tradition like Hinduism mm-hmm. is that man's you could say man doesn't really seem to be going anywhere. Yeah. Right. That that it just seems that you you have these four ages and it's just a decline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the cycle begins again. Yeah. Right. Where I found the idea that well, perhaps the world's getting better mm-hmm. slowly, but mm-hmm. man is being improved to be a, a much more appealing idea yeah. than than this idea of well, it's just one decline and then. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, this is this is marginally related, but this is one of my big problems with the culture of kind of pop young earth creationism which is there's this obsession with oh there's the fall and you know entropy it has the significance as you know everything is decaying whereas you know christianity and but i mean as as a matter of kind of reading of genesis i, I believe in its historicity i mean i believe in the recent creation but um the 
thrust of Christianity is that man is God's instrument in bringing the world from glory to glory and the incarnation uh, brings the world into the presence of God and the resurrection makes it such that the world is not a fallen world full stop but it's also a fallen redeemed glorified world um, so um, I agree with you I think that that's something which is just kind of innately beautiful and compelling um, so you, you're kind of approaching a more Christian anthropology you'd yeah. say yeah I mean, I would even say that, you know, I would have, I don't, I don't know if I would have made a commitment, but I would have thought of something or would have kind of posited something very similar to the Logos or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Something like a noose or... or yeah, yeah, yeah. So As a philosophical... As a philosophical yeah, yeah. idea that that made sense. Yeah. And, and what was your relationship with any of the Bible? Were, had you done any serious reading of the Bible? I mean, or even semi-serious reading of the Bible? Have you, had you read through the Gospels? Or had you, were, do you have any interest in asking, you know, the historical questions about the Gospels, just as, at least in an yeah. academic sense? Yeah, no, no, I did. I mean, I, I thought about it, and I actually read a little bit about it. Um, oh, you did? Uh, yeah, not, not, not tons, but uh, I think the question of the historical Jesus was, was an interest to mm -hmm. me, yeah. And what was your takeaway? I mean, I guess I was suspicious of this idea of whether he claimed to be God. Okay, yeah. That, that was, I guess, I, I, I didn't necessarily get that impression when I read the Gospels. Mm -hmm. um, or at least the first three. Yeah, the first three, right? Yeah. I, I, I would have admitted, like, in John's Gospel, it's very, very clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I don't think I would have came came down on like a definite position right on whether he claimed to be divine yeah divine right, right, yeah, right. yeah yeah so so what what do you remember any of the authors you'd read on the historical jesus at this point i think i remember one i, well, I read part of his this i forget if some german scholar i think kind of mm -hmm. a liberal or he was a theologian but a liberal kind john of robinson not john no john no robinson. no um I, I can't remember his name, but he was a liberal kind of Christian theologian. What strikes me about, you know, um, you know, Jesus and his divinity across all four Gospels, I do think you can find these kind of explicit claims to divinity um, when framed in the right sense in the synoptic. But what, what strikes me is the relationship that he presumes himself to have with those to whom he's speaking. I mean, saying things like, if you don't love me more than you, uh, so much that you hate father and mother in comparison, then you can't be my disciple. I mean, something like that, it's, he has this kind of relationship to demand absolute loyalty in and of himself. I, I find that almost to be a more compelling case from the whole canon yeah. for his divine consciousness, because um, it's a relationship that you imagine a prophet saying, you have to love me so much that you hate father and mother in comparison. It's, just, it, it, it's a bizarre way of of speaking um yeah. he almost seems to assume himself to have divine authority in, in that kind of yeah in that kind of way yeah um though you know i also think you have those explicit claims to divinity in all four gospels but um was it was it just kind of a, a you know an incidental look at the this material yeah it wasn't like a, a super serious look right mm -hmm. but was, did you have any impression on the historicity of the new testament the the authorship of the four gospels did any of those questions interest you um, 
a little bit. I mean, I, I can't say that the issue of authorship ever interested me like mm. a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I, in some ways, I don't necessarily think it's the most pressing matter in some some sense. Well, I mean, in relation to the question of historicity. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But how about the Old Testament? Well, had you been, had you read any? I, were, you, I, I might, I might Testament. have, yeah, I might. But have. it wasn't a big, a big like part of your. I mean, there was some interest in it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I came up against you know Kabbalistic ideas, mm-hmm. and, and and in some sense, I think, um, and, and I was interested too in 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 the history of religion in general. Also, I was interested in like the developments in, in Judaism, yeah, and and it kind of mystical elements in both kind of Christianity and Judaism. Mm. Um, Did you read any any of traditional Christian spiritual I, authors? I, I don't know if this counts as traditional, but I actually read uh, some of Meister Eckhart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Lot, Vladimir Lasky, if you're not familiar, did a, his dissertation on Eckhart. He's, okay. He's a, he's a very interesting okay. theologian. Yeah. Um, some of his his... his Theology was condemned by the papacy at that point in time, though he himself is not personally condemned. But I think he has some interesting um, kind of past between East and West there. Yeah. Um, okay, that's interesting. What led you to, to look at Eckhart? Well, actually, I think Vola did. Okay. I yeah. read somewhere that actually Eckhart was an influence on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How about uh, any other religions? Islam, Mormonism. Uh, did you have any? Can you remember looking at any of these? Did you develop a passing interest in, you know, the history of any of these traditions? Yeah, I mean, I I studied. Uh, I mean, I'm studying the history of Buddhism a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, Hinduism and uh, and uh, some of the stuff from China, Taoism and Confucianism seem to be very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with? Um, I just saw someone, the author of the book, was reviewing Wynne Cordwine's book on original monotheism. You ever seen this book, True Son of Heaven? No, it's, no. It's by, it's by a guy who, uh, I mean, he seemed pretty, I, I, I didn't take a look, so um, don't take what I say as gospel, but he seemed pretty professional, and he, he, he described writing a dissertation on Chinese religion and Ch- yeah. ancient Chinese theism, um, I, which is, and he talked about kind of Confucius and Lao Tzu being, you know, a theist in the traditional sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seems to me that in Taoism and Confucianism, there are a lot of ideas that are very compatible with Christianity. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, this whole, I think in Confucianism, you have this whole idea of ritual being important because it's the joining of heaven and earth. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, even in, in the Tao Te Ching, a lot of, I feel a lot of the, the you could say, the, what's the right word? You know, a lot of the passages there also express ideals very similar to kind of Christian morality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, this is this is before the coming of Christ, so um, yeah, uh, it's during the so-called axial age. So Israel uh, has come back from its exile, um, and there is at the moment of their return from exile this um, development all over the world of philosophical systems yeah. and a, there's a renaissance of thought in apparently disconnected ways it's an interesting yeah. period of history I think I think too it's interesting to note I think Heraclitus doesn't write that 
that lawn or after. I'm trying. I don't know exactly. Heraclitus, the, um, he, the philosopher who talked about the logos. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. About, oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. About the logos being kind of the you could say the that thing which unites. Yeah. All things. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he's writing roughly at a similar time as Lao Tzu. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, it's, right. it's you know Daniel. Uh, describes in the context of describing the four beasts, which are the four great empires, which will guard and protect um, Israel until the coming of Christ. And I don't think they're villainous beasts, that's why he said they're guard and protect, but it describes the winds of God blowing over the Gentile sea and calling these beasts up out of the sea. And this is a reference to Genesis 1, Daniel 7, is a creation week pattern, but I think you do kind of see this idea of the wind of the spirit blowing across the whole world at this point in history, creating a kind of creative burst of intellectual activity, which shaped the inner identities of these civilizations in many ways down to the present present day. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a we're, we're in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, 2016, uh, some of the stuff is out of order, but it's around uh, kind of what I've been, some of the stuff I've been describing, I think happened yeah, around maybe late 2015, 2016, 2017. Okay, and you go to go to college in 2017. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's that's probably a good good place for us to, to break off. Uh, but before we do, I just want to, what would you say, do you have any, uh, putting you on the spot here, what would you say to the person who um, is doubting Christianity for the first yeah. time? Do you, would you have any kind of? What do you What do you say to them? What do you tell them? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to 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 know exactly what to say. I mean, certain people might respond differently to different types of arguments. Yeah, but I well, guess what, what I, I, I I would say before I look at certain particular issues like the. Historicity of the Gospels, or or um, arguments for the existence of God, I would look at how does Christianity hold together as a framework. Meaning, yeah. what what is at the center, or what is at the core of Christianity, yeah. and try and see if it's a kind of a coherent vision yeah. of the world. Yeah. Well, great. So uh, we will see you. I think in a couple days uh, we'll have the third part uh, and. Uh, by the way, uh, if you have any questions for Jake, uh, you can put them in the comments and uh, during the Q&A session, I will uh, ask those. So the final part, a couple parts of this video, the Q&A will be premium content, though perhaps eventually I'll make it public. So if you, whether or not you are a patron, you can ask those questions um, and uh, I will ask Jake. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you tomorrow.